Stampod Productions. Hello, I'm Sandy Rajavadula and welcome to On Your Bike. We're a new cycling podcast. We're kicking off with the Tour of Britain. Coming up, you're going to be hearing from route director Andy Hawes on how on earth you actually organise a cycling tour. We're going to be catching up with our own Red Walters. He rode in the tour last year. Uh, he's in Bulgaria competing right now. Um, and we're all going to find out what happens when I took on the toughest climb in the opening stage. And just a spoiler, it didn't end well whatsoever. Uh, but right now, we are in Alteringham Market. The race is starting just to my left, about three yards away. I can see, you know, if you like, you call it cobbled, but it's not really. It's just like, almost like tiled almost floor um, that the ride is going to be setting off from uh, for here at Alteringham Market. And opposite me is Harriet Muckle. Harriet, it's a lovely scene we've got here, isn't it? It's absolutely beautiful. If you just want a picture, we're sat under a lovely veranda with some gorgeous fairy lights. And we'll, yeah, I would say it's mosaic. It's not exactly the cobbles of the Champs-Élysées, but you know, it'll, it'll do. There's no Tour de France. I mean, the streets, the signs everywhere. I think everybody here is totally ready for the race. It's exciting. I'm excited. Obviously, I'm a new fan. So unlike you two who know a bit more about cycling than me, I've just kind of jumped on the cycling bandwagon from Netflix, from Amazon, from watching these things, and I've just been soaking absolutely everything up. So I am really excited because this is the first ever race that I'm going to see live in person, and I just can't wait. I mean, you're sounding very enthusiastic for, for someone who's also ordered a pizza from the market and it's now gone cold. The pizza's... Ab- well... Sandy, I'm not going to lie, you got me working as soon as I got here, so I haven't had a chance to eat my gorgeous pizza. Although, I would say if you are here on the weekend, on Sunday when the race starts, I'd definitely grab one of these pizzas because it's absolutely delicious. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the the balance in me wants to be say other other food fooderies are available and there are these loads here. Anyway, so Harriet, you're a newbie. I'm a bit of a a lapsed fan, kind of getting back into it. Um, so we need some expertise, really. We need someone who's who's been there and done it. Uh, and back at On Your Bike HQ, it's our fellow presenter, Katie Magic. I mean, Katie, Harriet's there talking about getting excited. Uh, I'm not quite sure the people just behind us in a big group are just like having some food and having a chat. No, there's a cycle race going on. But the people who will be here will be excited. And you must have had some real highlights over the years. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great race. Um, it's a tour with some real history behind it, too. It's been running in different forms since just after the Second World War, actually. Obviously, I don't go back that far before you say anything. (laughs) Um, It's seen a number of different names and identities come and go, including the famous Milk Race, which ran for 35 years, actually, until 1993. Is it it me or has everything been called a Milk Race? We had a Milk Cup (laughs) in in the the Football League. I think think back back when Milk was big. Milk was big, yeah. Milk's not big anymore. (laughs) 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 But the modern incarnation of the Tour of Britain actually dates back to 2004. So that makes this the 19th edition since it restarted in its current format. The eagle-eared maths buffs among you will no doubt be shouting, surely it's 20. Um, But like many other races, the race was forced into a hiatus due to the prevalence of COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. I mean, nowadays, it'd be like the almond milk race, the oat milk race, the soy (laughs) milk race. It'd have to be something (laughs) like that to be on trend. So have there been any big names winning the race over the years? Anyone that people might have heard of? Yeah, absolutely. Some of the biggest names in the sport, in fact. Past winners uh, include the likes of Sir Bradley Wiggins, um, Norwegian powerhouse Edvard Bosenhagen, former world champion Julian Alaphilippe, and recently crowned world champion Mathieu van der Poel. Uh, in its first race back after COVID, the race boasted a stellar lineup with Alaphilippe, the then world champion, returning to take on Belgian all-rounder and superstar Wout van Aert of Dutch team Jumbo Visma. Uh, I'm thinking you've probably heard of him, Harriet, given your newfound interest. Absolutely. I'm, I'll be starstruck if Wout van Aert walks past me now. I mean, he was one of the big stars on, on the TV programme. And there's something really special about him. He's not just... Well, you can't really put him in any category, can you? He, he just can do everything. Exactly, that's right, yeah. So Wout van Aert is, is the quintessential all-rounder. Um, he can... He can sprint, he can climb, he can time trial. He won't have to time trial this year because there isn't actually a time trial at the race this year. Um, but yes, he's an absolute superstar. Um, and that, that iconic sight that year, anyone who remembers watching it on TV, 
of Alaphilippe and Van Aert sprinting up this epic climb at Great Orme in Randudno uh, in Wales. It was absolutely incredible, uh, true showstopper of a stage. Um, yeah, so it was a great it was a great year that year. Can I just like give a bit of balance here that there is one big thing uh, weighing against Wout Van Aert, and that is that he is a new dad, and that's why he had to leave. <laughs> the Tour de France I mean we don't quite know has he adapted to, to that new life you know uh, I know one kid's quite easy I'll be honest but you know it's still it's still a big change though and you know cy- cyclists are fairly selfish people aren't they you know living the uh, well, living uh, the cycling life to on your bike do you have any dad advice for him Sani have you got any dad advice how to how to get back on oh, the bike I don't know yeah you've g- I mean if he's disappearing for this tour, you know, he's, he's, he, needs, he needs to get some credit in the bank very quickly. Just to <laughs> add to that, um, if anyone was in any doubt about Van Aert's form, he just recently, actually last weekend, took part in his first gravel race, as if cyclocross and road riding wasn't enough, and won by nine minutes. So I think it's safe to wow. say that he is in his usual top form. All right, fine, fine. He's doing okay. Uh, right, Katie, we know uh, you're the expert here. Harriet, you're the newbie. I mean, I've uh, come to a couple of big races over the years. I was here when Bradley Wiggins won the, the Olympic time trial gold medal uh, in 2012 in London. Um, I was at the Grand Depart when the Tour de France was in the UK. And I was at the top of the Cote de Jenkin Road because they renamed all the roads, Harriet. They, they renamed all the English roads with, with French names. So Jenkin Road became Cote de Jenkin Road. Um, and that, yeah, saw Chris Froome like just take that ahead of uh, ahead of a few riders, including Vincenzo Nibali, who took the second stage. But um, yeah, I kind of fallen away, and, and I'm going to get back into it. You're completely new, uh, so but neither of us have ever done a, a big tour. So, Katie, what can we expect as journalists here? Well, uh, as media professionals, you guys will know all about getting up close and personal with some of the biggest names in sport. Bike racing is a different kettle of fish. It's one of the most interactive of elite sporting occasions. So you'll find very relaxed vibes at the start line. These guys have a long day ahead of them, and most of them don't really enter race mode until they're well on their way, uh, climbing mountains and what have you along the route. So yeah, all of that means a really laid back atmosphere. Um, And there's loads of chances for fans and media to chat to riders, uh, and a very real possibility of gaining a bit of insight into what you might have in store that day which is one of the most endearing features of the sport, actually, and hopefully you guys will really feel that when you're out there, that the riders themselves are so accessible and most are really accommodating when it comes to mixing with the likes of you guys. Well, some of them are, like, so down to earth, like... <laughs> oh, my gosh, how am I saying bang? <laughs> Just say it, say it how you think it said and we'll correct you. So, I asked today, and it, it's meant to be Van Gogh, Vingegaard, Vingegaard, I mean, Netflix Drew says Vingegaard, but... Vingegaard. It's like, you know, if you say when the you word goal, like in football, but you say it with a London accent, so you don't say the L, so you just say goal, so it's Vingegaard. So it's like Vingegaard, Vingegaard. Yeah. in my Essex accent. Oh, why? Oh, why? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Vingegaard. Um, so, exactly, um, basically, <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I'm going to get back to my normal accent. Um like the riders have totally different backgrounds like he used to work in a fish factory like I can imagine a conversation with him would be so interesting I'd just like a deep dive into his life hopefully we'll get to chat to them and like really get to terms with how they got to this point because he's gone from working in a fish factory and now he's like one of the biggest stars of cycling yeah exactly and you you'll get the chance to chat to loads of really interesting guys from all around the world there's someone who i'm actually going to task you guys with catching up with at some point one of the only here we go i'll take on one of the only brazilian professionals in the peloton uh nicolas sessler he is a really interesting character he has his own podcast in brazil um and i caught up with him in 2021 to have a chat and he's just a really fascinating character and really engaging to chat to so uh, he likes to go in a breakaway so hopefully one day you might get the chance to chat to him about that fingers crossed we'll put that on the list yeah Sanu. yeah definitely yeah. And we'll get on to like who's actually in the tour uh, later on but katie you were on the tour last year that was cut short due to the death of the queen uh, and so the last big tour full tour was uh, 2021 yeah exactly so when i left off i was telling you all about that epic battle between van Aert and alaphilippe the third player that year actually was great britain's own ethan hater who really rolled with the big dogs at that edition of the race bagging himself a stage win and the green points jersey in the process however last year was a little bit different 
Are we supposed to have picked up there and said yeah, something? Yeah, sorry, I, I put Questions in Chris slash so you can just... <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that you were queuing in some audio, so I was a bit like, no. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. What was different about it? Why was it such a big change? So, yeah, there were a couple of reasons why last year's tour wasn't quite uh, the same, really. So the weather conditions were torrid for much of the race. Uh, it led to crashes and spills aplenty and lots of... Uh, crazy chaotic days and then the race was just starting to get going when sadly Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away and the race was brought to a close after five stages as a mark of respect. Movistar's Gonzalo Serrano was declared the overall winner because he was leading at that point with Tom Pidcock uh, of Great Britain just getting into his groove at that point, finishing in second. So it's guaranteed that he will want to finish what he started. He'll be back with the bit between his teeth, determined to hopefully take the first GC win of his career. But he's got a tough proposition ahead of him. Now, over to our resident pro, Red Waters, currently on tour himself, racing with X-Speed United Continental. They're a Belgian-based Canadian and Australian and Hong Kong-backed team, so truly a global... Uh, force to be reckoned with. Red will be here with us throughout the week to talk us through life on tour. He himself is a national champion of Grenada uh, and right now here's what he's been up to in Bulgaria and also he's going to talk to us about what the tour was like last year from inside the peloton. Hey guys it's Red, thanks for having me on. So uh, yeah just a quick intro to where I'm at. I'm currently racing the Tour of Bulgaria, the lesser known TOB. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But I did race the Tour of Britain last year, so hopefully I can give you guys some insight into the race. So the feelings on the start line of the first stage of the Tour, uh, it's usually going to be mixed for everyone. Some guys will be there to do a job for a team. Some guys will be going for results. For those guys, obviously, it's going to be a lot more nerves. Um, but usually you want to try and you know, be as relaxed as possible. It's a long week or a long eight or nine days. And uh, generally, uh, you're not going to want to be wasting energy on stress um, and nerves especially you know at the start of a stage unless of course your goal is to get in the break if that's the case for a lot of the smaller teams then uh, it is usually quite you know you really need to make sure at the front on the start line and, and things like that but otherwise yeah can be nerves but usually fairly fairly relaxed actually especially in a high quality field like the Tour of Britain uh, most guys are really experienced so it's not going to be too much nervous energy so as I said earlier I was lucky enough to race in the Tour of Britain last year uh, I'll be honest, it wasn't my finest racing moment. Uh, I wasn't hugely prepared. I only found out I was doing the race uh, about five or six days before it started because my teammate unfortunately broke his collarbone, so I was drafted in. Uh, I'll admit I wasn't in the best best shape of the year and I didn't have the best preparation, but obviously I still came at it with, with everything I had. Um, it was a great experience, but yeah, I wasn't at the level at the time that I needed to be, so it was more of just uh, stay in the pack and try and survive as much as possible, which... Uh, didn't end too well for me with a, yeah, let's just say it wasn't my best result. So that's Red on surviving the first stage. Good luck, Red, we're all behind you. But now let's get a bit of background on the tour altogether. So Katie, what makes up the tour of Britain? So the tour is made up of eight stages altogether. Uh, it's very varied terrain, as you would expect in the UK. So we've got some climbing, there's some flat sprinty stages. Uh, they sometimes have a test against the clock, either individually or in teams, although this year is the second year in a row, actually, without any time trialling. Each stage has a winner, but the winner of the overall tour is the rider who has the fastest time over the eight stages combined. Now, for the newbies like me, can you explain the jerseys? Yes, I can indeed. So, obviously, you've got your leader's jersey. So, the leader's jersey is worn by the rider who is in completes the, the stage in the fastest time overall. So, obviously... After the first stage, it'll be the, the winner of that stage will win the leader's jersey as well. Then going on from there, uh, it will be the person with the combined lowest time. So outside of that, you also have a points jersey, which you can pick up points in sprints. Uh, they have intermediate sprints partway through each of the stages and sprint finishes or the finishes have their own points value. So the points jersey is usually won by a sprinty, speedy kind of guy. Um, then you have the King of the Mountains jersey. So that's really simple. The points are available purely at the top of each of the climbs. Um, and the person who accumulates the most of those points gets the King of the Mountains jersey. And then we have a team classification as well for the team with the overall combined fastest time. And actually this year, I think, if I think, sorry, I'm going to have to double check this, is the first year they're actually introducing a young rider's jersey. So that's something that's traditional in the Tour of to France and, and lots of, other, of the other big races. And that, I think, this year is for riders under 23, which is a little bit different from 
uh, from other, year, other races which have it as under 25. I did check today myself on the website. I think that is right. Yeah, that is cool. right. Sani, you fancy yourself a bit of a King of the Mountains jersey, don't you? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I ever did, as we'll find out later on, uh, I've, I've well and truly had my um, any, any, any ambitions of mine completely cut down to size Harry you'll, you'll be finding out about that in a bit when I took on I honestly cannot wait for this <laughs> where does the race sit in the calendar so it used to fall in the second week of September but it's worked its way steadily forward so it now takes place in the first week over eight days from Sunday to Sunday this year it starts on Sunday the third uh, so yeah that's an overview uh, but what is, what's it like to plan a tour? Well, we're delighted here on On Your Bike to welcome Route Director Andy Hawes to give us a better idea on how such a grand operation is pieced together. Yeah, it's, it's not been a usual year. Um, let, let's put it that way. Um, there, there's been many challenges along the way to get the uh, race to the start line, shall we say, on, on, on Sunday. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's been tricky. But we're there, so we're really looking forward to it. We've got um, eight very exciting stages uh, to look forward to, and all, all very different um, in, in many ways as well. So, um, and, and certainly bookended by uh, two of the toughest stages, uh, being stage one and stage eight. And last year ended early because of the death of the Queen. Uh, not had a full outright tour since 2021. So you must be really looking forward to this. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's uh, it, it is it is exciting, um, and you know we we um, uh, we've recently just come back from the worlds, having um, delivered all the road races for the world. So before that, um, you know, our, our last sort of professional race that we delivered was the sort of like the five stages of of last year's uh, Tour of Britain, because sadly, um, with the postponement of the women's tour this year, we are you know mm. super excited. To get back out on the road. Uh, in fact, we're heading up to Manchester to start the the final preparation um, uh, before stage one gets underway on uh, on Sunday. Do you have to sell the tour to the local councils? How do they really want to be involved in the tour? How does that work? That negotiation process. Um, so yeah, some some councils are sort of like more understanding of, of what the tour of Britain can actually bring to their to their local authority, and and other councils, yeah, we we do have to have to go in with a bit of a sales pitch and you know say what you know the, the benefits of having the race and and what they can expect to see. But you know we we've got um, long-standing relationships with many many counties um, up and down the length and breadth of this country, and you know we, we always try to do a two, three or maybe longer year deal with them so that they'll get the full benefit. And, and, and by that, I mean, you know, it might be that they get a Tour of Britain stage one year, a women's tour stage the next year, and, and maybe a round of the tour series uh, chucked in as well. So it, it's, it's not just obviously the Tour of Britain. There's there's all our other events that uh, we can sell into them. So I think once it's also a bit of a nervousness about it as well for, for like a local authority that's never hosted the Tour of Britain or or any of our other races, it's sometimes a bit of a fear of the unknown and, and you know, a nervousness uh, creeps in. But I guess, you know, we, we hear it quite a lot of the time is is that, you know, as soon as they've had a stage of the race or a round of the tour series, they're like, right, OK, we can't wait for the next time. But yeah, it's it's the fear of the unknown to start with. And, you know, a, you know we, we, we've got a great team behind us that will uh, that will sell sell the package in. Um, and, and then the rest is is down to the rest of the team to, to make sure that, you know, we, we sell them what we say that we're going to do. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear that, that they jump on board and see the benefits afterwards. Um, some of the other negative comments, like we've had a councillor in Gloucester who said our roads were embarrassing in the UK. Is that something that you could agree with? Do they have a point, do you think? <laughs> um, having just driven all eight stages back to back, um, you know, it, it's, it's incredible to see what's happened, um, you know, uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, and you know, I, I'll you know, I'm not singling any any particular council out because because I think it, it's it's a nationwide issue. It's not just the the, the councils that that we're visiting this year um, on the tour of Britain. It, it is nationwide, and 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 the state of the roads uh, generally is 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 pretty poor. Um, and it's you know, and that's that's as I say, that's not singling out any any particular council that this race is is going to because whilst we'd all love a, a billiard smooth road surface to be riding our bikes on 
Um, they've also got a duty of care for you know the the public and making sure that they're safe. When we speak to local authorities, we work to uh, what what they call an intervention level, and and we'll work to what their intervention level is. So as long as the roads are safe um, for 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 the public, then they're safe for, for the race to be on. But yeah, I um yeah, as I say, I won't single out any single any particular council. I think it's a nationwide problem. Um. We are seeing, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the negatives before we, we go to the positives. I promise you, Andy, we will have some positives as well. But, you know, we're seeing like the number of, of British road teams kind of dwindling. We know the women's tour last year got postponed. I'll be frank, right? Is British, British road racing, the road racing scene, is it on its arse, Andy? Um, I think it's been in better positions. Um, uh... It's a diplomatic answer, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been in better positions, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, it, it is sad to see uh, the decline of the British teams and, and some of the, you know, some of the classic races that we've lost over the years. But, you know, there's there's various things that have, you know, uh, you know been involved with that. Let's, you know, long-term sponsors pulling out. Um, the exposure that cycling gets, um, you know, is, is I, I personally think that it's still very tainted um, from the, Lam- the Lance Armstrong era. Um, and you know, it's, I don't know of any other sport that tests its athletes as much as cycling does and, and is as public about it. Um, and you know, this, this is my argument, you know, can you imagine if they were testing and I'm sure they do test, uh, you know, premiership football players, rugby players, and, and what would happen if, if these come out with, you know, having failing, um, uh, doping tests, you know, it would be an absolute uproar, um, and, and I feel that cycling really does get a bad press um, because, you know, we are, um, you know, actively uh, doing something about it. Um, and, and and in doing so, we're actually, you know, making public what we're doing about it. But it's it's maybe to the detriment of the sport. Um, you know, all of this has a bit of a, uh, a bit of negative effect for everything that happens uh, in, in the UK. But, yeah, it is sad to see the decline of teams um, and... You know, perhaps sponsors see what's happened in the past and and, and don't want to be tainted with that, um, and and maybe that's why they're not putting the money in. Um, but also, I, I still think that uh, cycling as a whole is still a very very underreported sport, um, and 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 that you're probably not going to be getting the same value as as you would by putting the money into into football, rugby, golf, tennis, you know, you name it. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I think. I was just going to say, how with the British racing scene um, in, in the state that it's in, do you have any thoughts about how it can recover? Like, what what are the positive steps forward that that people can take or we can look forward to? Um, I, I think there's plenty of positives to take from it. You know, this uh, the, the people who work in in cycling in this industry, everybody. I, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a passion for cycling. Um, you know, it's it's not kind of, oh, you know, cycling's my job kind of thing. Everybody wants this sport to to be the best that it can be. And, you know, it, it's it's uh, the investment that's needed. It's sponsorship that's needed. You know, I know British cycling need title sponsorship as 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 do um, as we do for, for our events, you know, and it's it's getting the investment back into it to, to, to bring it back up to, you know, your 2000s and eights after Beijing and, you know, the, the glory days all the way through to the London Olympics. And, you know, th- there was good money being pumped into the sport. And I think, you know, if that would be like the biggest thing is is getting some money reinvested into the sport because the people are there believe me the people are there that want to make this uh, a huge great big sport again um and it's just getting some of these you know big companies involved and and you know getting that passion and that feeling and and that uh you know to to, to make it great again um you know you look at some of the big companies and the reason why they've put the money into the sport is possibly because like the CEO or the marketing director or somebody like that is a cyclist and loves it and thinks, right, this is where we're going to put our money. And then, and then like in big companies, they all move on. And then the next person comes in, can't stand cycling. Um, and, and all of a sudden the, the, the deal has been pulled. So yeah, I, th- I think investment is key. Um, the, the, the ability and the will to uh, get everything back up and running again is absolutely there. Um, we've got. To, we, we're going to play you in the um, what Red said about um, about the state of British cycling in a moment. 
I'll be honest, it's seen better days. It really has. Unfortunately, it seems the number of races, both at domestic level and national level, seem to be dwindling each year. And, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but it just seems there's a, a lack of funding in general to run these races and maybe a lack of interest from the public. I'm not entirely sure of the reasons of these things, but what I can say from a racer's point of view is that there's definitely less racing and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a, a clear decline. And sadly, this ends up getting reflected in the teams as well, where you can see, you know, the number of UCI teams in the UK also slowly dwindling, where there's only, I think, a couple this year. Um, so that's it's sad to see, but, you know, always keep my fingers crossed and hopeful that it can, it can bounce back. But, yeah, like I said, at the moment, there's just, there's not a lot going on, which is why so many riders are looking to race in Europe to get that experience they need and the exposure to, to move up to higher levels of racing. Yeah, so, so I don't know what, what your thoughts are there. Does he kind of sum up the, the general feeling at the moment from riders? Obviously, Red was with uh, River Weltide last year and is now racing for a Belgian-based team under a Canadian flag that's backed by uh, backers in Hong Kong and Australia. So <laughs> he's, he's definitely gone a bit global as a result. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think with the right amount of investment and, and uh, you know, some big global names getting involved, then, uh, you know, I think that will resurrect the sport. The, the will of the people here is nobody wants to see this die. Nobody wants to see it come off of, off of uh, the UK scene. Um, and, you know, you look, at, you look at the riders that we are still producing now and Olympic champions and, you know, there's, 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 there's like tons of talent out here still um and you know it, it's just it's just having some investment behind it um and you know getting some of these great road races back on onto the road you know it's it is it is becoming more and more uh, costly to to organize events these days you know you know for for the requirement of the the national escort group or whether it's the the police central escort group for for bigger races you know it, it, it is becoming prohibitive but you know that's where a key key sponsorship is going to come in and, and keep it on the road. And obviously now we've got loads of people out on the roads who might have seen cycling for the first time this year with the Netflix documentary and now they get to come and see it live in person, which would be amazing. Um, the tour itself, what does it mean for the riders that are riding it, especially some of the, the younger British riders coming through? What can it mean for them and their career and, and, and uh, what does it mean going forward? I think it means a great deal. It's such an honour, you know, whether whether you're pulling the Team GB jersey on or, or whether you're a British rider in one of the, the continental teams, you know, it, it's, it's a huge honour for them. And, and, and to, to get the support, you know, of, of, of the home crowd and, and, and maybe even family coming to, coming to watch them or coming to see them race for the first time in, in a big race, you know, it's, it's such a huge thing. Um, I remember long ago, it's, um, uh, it was a, oh, a Madison Genesis um, video that I think it was a bit of a, a fly, an early fly on the wall thing and, and Roger Hammond talking to the teams and saying, look, you've probably got 10 goes at winning the Tour of Britain in your career and, you know, you've got to make sure every single time that you start on that, you know, get on that start line at the Tour of Britain that you give it your best to try and, you know, win, uh, win the Tour of Britain because, uh, you know... I, well, since I've been doing it, yeah, a British person hasn't won um, the Tour of Britain. So, you know, could this be the year Tom Pidcock is, is, is taking the start line in, in Manchester? So, you know, could this be the year for it? But, yeah, it really is something special um, uh, for, for the GB guys um, to be taking the start line. Let, Andy, let's finish on a positive here because um, we've, had, we've had the Worlds in, in Glasgow. Katie, you were up there. I know you had a great time, didn't you? Mm. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Brilliant so, event. So we, and we saw two, you know, road races there in the city, as well, ending in the city, you know, loads of people, whether they were there because they knew it was on and they were fans of loads of them or whether they were just doing the shopping and just caught it. You know, there's enough people there. Um, a lot of these stages are going to, you know, they've got town centre, city centre finishes. There's going to be lots of people with an opportunity here to, to watch racing. And when you think about other sports, you know, the Premier League, you know, what kids can afford a ticket for that. You can watch cycling for free. We've talked about the negatives here, Andy, but there is also a, a huge positive, you know, especially thinking after last year and how that ended, this could be, you know, a, a real turning point for, point for the sport. No, absolutely. And I, I mean, you know, we pride ourselves on it for, for, for this being a, a free-to-view event. This is, you know, uh, 
a race that's going to be televised globally that, you know, in theory could come past your front door. You step outside your front door and you see some of the, the world's greatest cyclists come zooming past. You know, this this is not an everyday occurrence. And and certainly, you know, some of the little villages that we visit, you know, it's 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 just incredible to think that they've got this world-class sporting event coming through their tiny little village. You know, nobody would have possibly even heard of their village. And yet there it is, the highlight of, you know, possibly that stage where, you know, it might be that stage-winning break goes and it's, it's, you know, it's got Wout Van Aert in it, who was, you know, right up there to the last minute in, in Glasgow, fighting, fighting to become the world champion. You know, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's incredible. And, and I, I think one, one of the lasting memories that, that I'll take from, uh, I think it was the Tour of Britain back in 2021 when we did, um, it was the final stage. And, 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 and seeing, seeing the children's faces as we were going through villages in Aberdeenshire, quite clearly had never seen one. Well, I know they had never seen like a professional bike race before and seeing their faces and hearing the excitement um, as you go past them um, was just incredible. And, and to think, you know, if, if, if we went past a thousand, a thousand kids and, you know, 10 of them take it up and then two or three of them suddenly become professionals... And this this is through something that they've seen that's come through through their through their backyard almost. I just want to ask one more question as a little insider tip for our listeners. Obviously, as you say, you're going through lots of places that people even in the UK won't have even heard of or visited before. What's your one tip of some somewhere that we should look out for where you think some action will kick off or a, a sneaky little climb that to look out for somewhere that we sh- that you're really proud of on the route. Oh, God, blimey. I mean, the, the, the routes are so varied this year. You know, you, you know, we've got the super busy one, stage one in Manchester, um, to, you know, the more rural ones of stage two and three, some really exciting towns we're going through in, in Nottinghamshire, uh, rolling Suffolk countryside, straight down into Essex and then into Gloucestershire and then finally South Wales. I mean, if it's atmosphere you're after, you know, Going on Ram, Ram's Bottom Rake uh, when we went up there in 2019, uh, uh, yeah, 2019, it was off the charts. Um, even you know down to sort of uh, Kafili Mountain, that that's going to be a really incredible place. But then, you know, we're we're off the beaten track in Suffolk, um, and if you just wanted to hear the sights and sounds of the race passing through like a little country lane, and you know you're just there on your own, then there's there's plenty of these little lanes sort of in mid Suffolk. So it depends what you want. If you want to be really in the thick of action, then you know make sure you get yourself to one of the King of the Mountains or one of the sprint locations, or if you, if you want to just be there on your bike you know soaking up the complete ambience of of the whole event then you know go go and look for you know one of the one of the more quieter country roads on 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 one of the sort of middle stages you know it's um yeah there really is something for everyone um but i i think i'd i'd probably want to be part of uh stage one and being on ram's bottom rake and and being part of the really noisy crowd that's more than likely going to be there Katie, I'm just actually downloading the uh, Tour of Britain guide. Uh, 80 megabytes. It's coming up on my uh, on my tablet. So that's all right. It's, it's, now it's saying to download again. Well, you're so, actually on my hotspot. I am as well. So, so it's your data. It's you're your going to be. You're not downloading 80 gigs I don't on know. my what, data. What, what, what Schneider contract have you got? We've only got 80 80 meg. Anyway, um, what, who's who's on this tour? I've got. I'm downloading my my little guide so I can find out too. Uh, but, you know, I'll know some of the names. I won't know all of them. Give, give us a bit of an overview. What's going on? Who's on Okay, it? so as mentioned previously, there's no doubt about the two stars of the show in this year's Tour of Britain. In the yellow corner, riding for Dutch super team Jumbo Visma, we have 2021 winner Wout van Aert making a return to the site of only his second overall victory. And in the blue corner, fighting for the only British World Tour team, the Ineos Grenadiers, we have a legend in the making, Yorkshire multidiscipline rider Tom Pidcock. Um, how do we all feel about uh, Tom Pidcock winning the the world and crossing the line with a Yorkshire flag? Because I, I was, as a as a Lancastrian, as a as a Mancunian, I wasn't best pleased. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're from. You're from Morecambe, Harriet. So I don't know what you feel about that. I am from Morecambe, but do you know what? I'm glad he's repping his county. I think good for him. I don't know, Katie. Does Hertfordshire have a famous flag? <laughs> not really. <laughs> or if we do, I'm not sure what it is. Um, yeah, so t- Pidcock will start in in, uh, in Lancashire, of course, in Altrincham. 
uh, fresh from the World Championships in Glasgow, where he won, uh, as you mentioned, the cross-country mountain biking title to add to his Olympic title in the same discipline. As a former cyclocross world champion, he's already a star of off-road cycling. And to prove his credentials on the road, he also took a stunning victory on Alpe d'Huez in last year's Tour de France. As those of you, uh, including Harriet, who've watched the Netflix Unchained series will remember. How much better do you think can he get? Because he's already doing so many different kind of disciplines and doing them pretty well. But he's only 24. Yeah, he is. He's only 24. That's really important to remember. He's got such a long career ahead of him, hopefully. Um, and he does what he likes. That's the great thing about Tom Pidcock. He revels in his off-road riding. He really enjoys it. And some people have said he should become a general classification rider. He should go for the Tour de France. He should focus on one thing and all this kind of thing. But Pidcock is Pidcock because he loves to do different things. And that's why we love him. So uh, the sky's the limit, but we don't know which way he's going to go next. We know it's going to be something special, definitely. But it sounds like a juicy head-to-head we've got on our hands here. Is there anyone else you think we might need to look out for that might give them a run for the money? Yeah, so there's plenty of other names to look out for, of course. Last year's winner, Gonzalo Serrano, who we've obviously mentioned, is returning to defend the title he won under unusual circumstances. He'll hope to prove his victory was no fluke. Um, Max Schachmann of Bora Hansgrohe is a seasoned stage racer and will be aiming to spring a surprise on his debut at the race. And Uno X's Tobias Johannesson is a young prospect who actually went toe-to-toe with Pagaccia and Vingegaard at this year's Tour de France. Uh, and he'll have his sights set on a first stage race victory. And there's a raft of other talented riders on the start list who are in line for stage victories. I'm sure we'll take a closer look at the individuals going into battle in each day's episode. So we're starting in Manchester here in Altrincham, but do people around here even know the tour's happening? Like you said, Sandy, there's people behind us having a pizza, having a drink. Do you think they're ready for the race? I don't race? know, let's ask them. Do you, do you guys know the Tour of Britain is starting here on Sunday? Big cycle race. Are you coming? Come, come over here for a sec. Come over here. <laughs> so uh, we're in Altrincham Market. We've just interrupted uh, some come people. Come, having come a and pizza. sit down at the mic. By the way, this chair's really wobbly, so just be careful. Yeah, grab your own, grab your own chair for a minute. Yeah, go on then. Uh, so uh, this is on your bike. It's a new podcast all about cycling. Um, so uh, what, tell us what your names and uh, what do you know about the tour. Uh, my name's Alfie. I've been taking an interest in cycling for a long time. Now I cycle myself as well. Uh, I'm dead interested in this new uh, cycle of Britain. It's it's exciting. It's one to get the blood going, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm really interested in hopefully it all goes well. Uh, I'm Toby and I've actually grown up with um, my dad who, who's got me into biking from a young age. And I like mountain biking, but it also sparks interest in this race of Britain. And um, I just want to watch it and see who wins, really. Where do you think... Where do you two feel like we're at with cycling in Britain? Because, you know, we've got Tour de France massive, we've got a Vuelta Espana at the moment, also huge. We've got Netflix documentaries, Amazon stuff going on. You know, we kind of feel like we're the forgotten ones, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with what you're saying because you hear the Tour de France and there's almost like an excitement between everyone in the world, pretty much. But then if you speak about the Tour de Britain, I feel like it's disregarded a little bit. It's kind of brushed under the carpet it isn't as well respected as everyone else and I feel like that's kind of unfair because it's still a great competition and it's it should be respected in my opinion. Do you have any idea who's going to win? Do you know anything about Ooh, the people taking part? No, I'm not too sure on the people taking part. I'll just watch for enjoyment. I don't, don't follow it religiously. I wouldn't support anyone. I just want to watch it for enjoyment for myself, to be honest with you. So it's starting from here, just, just behind where we are now on Altrincham Market. Yeah. What, what are your plans for Sunday? Um, I'd probably tune in and out, uh, I'd watch it, I might come down even because my friend here lives nearby, so we might come down together, you know, watch it, support it, I think that's what's needed to kind of push uh, the Tour de Britain up the rankings, because you see the Tour de France and everyone's going there, everyone's excited, like it's it's shown everywhere, it's all talked about, however, this isn't as well regarded as the other ones, so I feel like we need to get more people down. I, I also feel that if the more people that come down, the more it spreads and more support and I feel like that's what's needed to make it bigger and get it to the likes of the Tour de France but I don't feel like it's getting that yet do you know what I mean? Yeah exactly that's what people don't understand and like people would go to a football game and pay ridiculous amounts of money just because it's football however 
cycling's still an amazing sport. You need to be athletically fit. You need to be mentally fit. You need to stay strong throughout the whole process because it's a long process. And I feel like coming down and supporting is a good, a good thing to do and it's going to help us a lot in the long term. Well, Toby, Alfie, thank you for joining us here and on your thank bike. You we just grabbed you. Yes, we will. Thank you so much. Yeah, nice one. Nice one. Uh, what, what have you been eating? What do you have? Pizza. Yeah, Harriet's just cold. Harriet's just cold. Yeah, on your bike is our podcast, so follow us, subscribe. You'll be on episode one. In there you go, walking. episode one. <laughs> uh, well, there you go, that's Toby and Alfie. Just, yeah, just randomly grabbed them. Um, and, and yeah, they seem to know what they're talking about, which is great. I know, uh, I'm so happy about that because <laughs> Lads, and they're into it. There you go. So that is really Did promising for the weekend. Th- seriously, were they not? They weren't ringers, were they? They're no, they yeah, genuinely no, weren't. Just, <laughs> that was they're just eating a pizza <laughs> oh, sat wow. next to us. Yeah, that's very they handy. are. I assure you, they are not <laughs> stooges. So we end in Manchester City Centre, and we'll of course be covering all the action after Stage One on Sunday. But one of the standout points in the first stage is a hill climb to the north of the city. The tour works its way round to Ramsbottom, right on the outskirts of Greater Manchester, and it's where you'll find Peel Tower in honour of Bury Sir Robert Peel. He invented the police force and was Prime Minister. So to get there, there's a few options. One of them is to head up the rake, a Category 1 climb. What does that mean, Katie? So, climbs in cycling are categorised based on their difficulty. From Category 4, which is the least tricky, up to Category 1, which is the toughest. When categorising climbs, race organisers have to take into account both distance and gradient to work out exactly how tough the climb is, relatively speaking. What this means is that at Category 1, the Ramsbottom Rake is one of the toughest ascents the riders will face on this year's tour. However, at just under one kilometre in length, that's pretty short, I think you'll agree, this means the rake is seriously steep. It averages out at 9.9%, which is hard enough, but there are sections of up to 22 to 25%. This is absolutely leg-breaking stuff. It will smash the peloton to pieces as the riders battle to make it from the bottom to the top without losing too much ground. But just how hard could it be to take on? We sent Sunny to try. It's the Sunday before stage one and I'm deciding to take on the rake. Get my excuses in now, I'm slightly hungover. I've had a whole two pints and a third, quite strong beer, uh, and it's kind of hurting me a little bit. And yeah, I'm not like a, an elite cyclist. It's not like when you see GCN, the Global Cycling Network videos, and they do little documentaries and go up the Col de Tourmalet and all that, and they're both like, you know, you might as well be on the tour. Uh, far from it. Not quite middle-aged man in Lycra. Maybe just a slightly overstuffed sausage. Anyway, I am... Um, going to give it a go and I'll give you some updates on the way. Wish me luck. Well here we are, I've made it to Ramy, just uh, opposite the railway pub. I'm on Car Street and uh, this feels relatively flat but in front of me I can see um, hills. <laughs> you see a big hill with lots of trees. Um, beautiful old stone buildings got a, a really nice church to my right and the sun's just breaking through um, and I'm opposite um, <laughs> you know you're in the countryside by the high street and the shop I'm opposite it's called horse bits bits for your horse uh, you can get a nice matching polka dot horse set looks like pajamas maroon with uh, <laughs> white spots um, but yeah it's a, it's a really lovely part of the world um, and I am starting my ride and uh, this is not going to go well. I've, I've kind of like taken it relatively easy on the way here. I have to stop. There we go, changing gear. Oh my god. We are barely starting. Come on. Right, let's get this into the right gear first. How long have I done, like? <laughs> about, about 10 metres. <laughs> right, well, I'm recording this for a podcast as well, so I've fallen over. In case you didn't gather, I've just fallen over and I'm trying to set off. Right, I'm in a small gear, fixed the bike. Let's get going, come on. There you go, I've got going now. <laughs> How long have I got to go? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Are you here um, for the tour next week? I'm not racing in it, bloody hell. <laughs> right, I can see a sign in front of me and it says 25%. <laughs> oh no, I've stopped on the wall by the handle rail. <laughs> I've fallen. Oh dear. I've fallen. Trying to get back on the bike to go up again. And uh, that brake's a little bit bent out, I think. There's a little somebody's driveway here. A little lay by bit I can clip back in and try and build up a bit of speed to. Got the other foot in for a fall over. <sighs> Probably need to get my bike serviced before next week. The gears were uh, not playing ball. I couldn't clip in. There we go. Couldn't clip in very easily. It's a lovely church here at the top. So there you go. I, I took it on. It, it didn't quite go to plan. <laughs> um, I think. I think the worst part of it all was hearing how chipper I was at the start and how <laughs> broken I was at the end. It was a good effort, Sandy, but I'm not going to lie, I don't think you're going to be winning a King of the Mountains jersey anytime soon. <laughs> but it is promising that the guy thought you were in the race. That's got to be, a, you know, a bonus. He was off to the pub, <laughs> you know. You, you were joining him. You'd had a few <laughs> pints yourself. The night before. I don't know if I clarified that. It made it sound like I'd had three pints then got on my bike. Oh, that's, what, that's what I thought had happened. No, no, oh, you'd had the before. pints. Then I thought yeah. you, you needed some Dutch courage to no, get yourself in those lycras and get up the, killed me. up the race. Katie, how did that do? Well, you did your best. You got to the top, but you fell. Did you hurt yourself? Are you okay? <laughs> my pride was Aww. hurt. <laughs> the, the bike got slightly... The, the, the brake foot bar got kind of slightly... Slightly mangled the, on the handlebar. Did the, anyone see you fall? They didn't, actually. We could have been going viral on TikTok already <laughs> no, in episode yeah, we, we one. Could've, we you could have just left that uh, part out. We, no one would ever have known, so, but now everybody knows. So, yeah, when Andy was recommending the rake, and I'm like, do I really want to go back there? <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it. I'll think so about were you, it. Were so, were you yeah, weaving then the from side to side? I, so, I, so, I, so I was trying to weave and that's where I got stuck on the, on the, on the handrail going along the side because there was like the tarmac and there was a slight camber into like cobbles. <laughs> so I went weaving and then just got stuck and couldn't weave back. <laughs> so have you had enough then or do you think you're going to be taking on any more challenges on the tour? The bike will be coming with us. I'll be getting somewhere else. Katie, how, how does it work? Because, you know, once upon a time, I, like, got a random bike and jumped onto the, the Tour de France, like, when it was in Sheffield and did a little bit quite late on. And then all the crowd was there. And it was crazy. It was great. Um, but can you just... At what point can you get on your bike when the stage is there? Yeah, yeah. It's usually rolling road closures. So yeah, there'll definitely be cycling clubs rolling up very early to, to try their hand at it and uh, see if they can do it as fast as the pros. There you go. Well, uh, the King of the Mountains on the rake on Strava is 2 minutes 30. And I think it's held by one of the national hill climbing champions. So we'll see if that record goes. Um, right. You've talked about some of the favourites. Just to talk about the teams, Katie. Um, who who's in this? Who is actually in this race? We know Jumbo Visma are there. We know Jumbo Visma are there. We know Ineos Grenadiers are there. Who else is knocking around? Yep. So we've got uh, five World Tour teams at the race this year. Um, so we've also got Bora Hansgrohe, uh, who come along with Sam Bennett, a brilliant Irish sprinter. Uh, his form's been a bit up and down of late, so he'll be really looking to stamp his mark on the race. And there's a, they've got a really strong team as well. Um, with interest in GC and sprints. We've also got Movistar, as we talked about with Serrano. We've got uh, Team DSM as well, who have a few strong hopefuls, including a young sprinter, Kasper Van Uden, who's really um, a big prospect for the future. And then we've got loads of pro teams, uh, continental teams, uh, who bring a range of talent. Um, we've got a Great Britain team as well. So riders representing uh, the home country as well. That'll be exciting, won't it? So, guys, who do we think is going to win stage one? I am not that knowledgeable, so I'm just going to go straight out and say Wout Van Aert. 
you've you've really gone out gone out on a limb there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, Casey. It, it kind of feels like it, it it would be him, but then again, it could be a breakaway, and it's early days. Maybe this is the sort of time where you could get uh, a different. It way. is early days, yeah, and of course, you've got you know Tom Pidcock handling himself on a climb. Tobias Johansson, as I mentioned, is a great climber, and we've got two big climbs. But let's bear in mind that rake climb it does come quite far before the end of the course so there's plenty of time for people to catch up um andy mentioned it's a sprinty tour um so even with those climbs it could well come down to a sprint finish my tip not only for stage one but for a few stages is actually going to be olav koi of yumba visma so he's a young sprinter who can handle himself extremely well over climbs um and although his teammates with wout van Aert, um I don't know how they're going to run the team leadership. Koi could be looking at maybe taking the jersey and holding on to it for a bit with Wout going through in the later stages. But yeah, so I'm going to go for Olaf Koi for stage one. Interesting. I'll have to do my research on him. I mean, I like Jumbo Visma as it is, so I'm going to Google him tonight and see what I can find out. But Sani, they're literally packing the tables away from us as we speak. They, they are. Uh, the, the lovely uh, farmers have said 15 minutes till we close. Well, we, we're done by then. But I'm yeah, going to get my chair taken they're, they're off a, me. They're actually packing uh, Ulti Market away <laughs> as we speak, so it's probably a good time for us to sign off. Now, we have been on your bike. Um, we are going to be... Uh, me and Harriet are going to be at every stage. You've got one shift at Sky News in the middle. I so, do. So we've got we've got one some, day off. Yeah, we've got we've got some uh, very very uh, handy people to fill in as well at various points. Uh, Katie's going to be back at On Your Bike HQ, uh, keeping across all the races, which will be uh, live on ITV4 and is a highlight show every day at eight o'clock as well. Um, and we'll kind of be accompanying all of that. So. Um, Wherever you are tuning in right now, uh, do give us a subscribe, give us a like. If you can give us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, that actually helps us get up the charts because we are totally independent. Uh, share it as well. Hope you've enjoyed us. Get in touch. Just hashtag on your bike. All that's left to do is say uh, goodbye from me, Sandy Rodrivadula. Goodbye from me, Harriet Muckle. And it's goodbye from me, Katie Magic. There you go. And uh, we'll say goodbye from Red as well, who's uh, currently on the tour in Bulgaria. On your bike returns in, well, where we are right now, in Altrigum for Manchester for Stage 1 on Sunday. On Your Bike is a Sandpod production.